You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Back in the Wind Column podcast, podcast, podcast. All right, we're out of the slump. Finally, was it eight games or seven games? Seven game slump. That was fucking brutal. However, we're looking better now. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves because it's only been five games, but you win four out of five. And the only game you lose, you did look like shit, but at least you had a chance to come back into it until Mike Smith fucked it up again. Against uh, the team that just fucking seems to always dominate us. When was the last time we beat Tampa? Um, I feel like we beat them in the Dome a few times. There's Did you catch a- my little Mike Smith thing there? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought maybe I might get a chortle or something, but just deadpan over well, there. Well, I, right? I feel like it's like so, right? Like you're not, even, funny. You're not even exaggerating. It's like, yeah. Well, exactly I mean, Mike Smith. It, 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 like lately, Jacob Markstrom, and we'll get into the discussion with Daryl Sutter playing him night in and night out and night in. So, but... You, you, I saw you put a thing on uh, Instagram. He's got a, the bad case of Mike Smithitis. Yeah, it's flared up real bad. Make unbelievable saves and also make unbelievably backbreaking brutal allow them in goals. And yes. now he's coughing the puck up behind the net. It's like, I mean, he was solid tonight. And I think I, I saw you post this. I was thinking the exact same thing earlier in the day. Daryl is probably just forcing him to get back to average, to get back to normal, to get back to consistency. He's probably like, dude, you're not, I'm not giving you a night off until you fucking figure this out. Yeah, I don't even doubt it at this point. It's play until you figure it out. But he was consistent throughout the game tonight. He didn't let in any stinkers, I didn't think. No, he was good tonight. He made a couple of big saves late. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of dying minutes of the game there where, where here we go again. Yeah. Uh, it's a one-goal game all of a sudden. Are they going to blow another lead? What was that stat they showed today? Yeah, holy it shit. It was like ridiculous. When they're leading, the Flames have scored 15 goals and allowed 29. And in the Florida game, like remember the, to start the season, Vancouver, the Vancouver Canucks were setting all, all-time records. For the amount of two goal game leads that they blew. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, Calgary has the most. We have more in Vancouver now. Yeah. Somebody tweeted the record the or how many blown leads they've had. Um, I'm trying to find it right now. And it's just like they've blown leads in every single game. So glad to see that get corrected tonight. But man, not a good habit to get into, is it? Not a good habit at all. 
So the last podcast we left off with, with you know, seven losses in a row. Um, as frustrating as it was to watch, we were still optimistic because if you if you really break it down with with the underlying metrics and the and the analytics of the team up to that point during that losing streak, they're still playing good hockey. Nothing super uh, alarming. It was mainly the the save percentage, which is now rising a bit. The shooting percentage, which is now it's leveling out. Both Except for Monjapani. At least he got one goal. That was a nice little goal. It's a nice a little goal. spin around those windows. Thought, I thought it was turning around at that point. It hasn't yet. No, he's dried up again since then. Dubé finally gets like holy fuck. These two guys, Monji Pony and Dubé. If these guys even have three or four goals collectively between the two of them, do we not have two or three oh, more wins this season? Absolutely. Like we need these guys to be contributing on a consistent basis. It's not okay to fucking Dubé. That was his first goal he scored since opening game. <laughs> That's crazy. Like he's many, playing yeah. mostly top six minutes, getting power play time, isn't he on PP two? Yeah, and how many posts has he hit? Like, but eight hundred and ten. Okay. We need, need more contribution. I mean, this biggest thing with Dubé has been consistency across an eighty-two game season. Still hasn't figured that out. The first, maybe he needs, yeah, maybe he just needs to wear blasty every day. <laughs> the he first score three goals every time wears blasty. The first freaking what have we played? Seventeen games. 18 games? I don't know. Has been a microcosm of Dubé's career. Came out like, remember how great that line looked in the first three, yeah. four games? Unbelievable. And then freaking. Yes, they were. They were the best line. Gonzo for 10, 12 games. Now it's just Godry fucking playing by himself. <laughs> That's why they pay him the big bucks. But this, anyways, the, the, the game, uh, like the blowing lead stat was. The Flames had allowed 17 game-tying goals in 17 games. They have allowed the most game-tying goals in the entire league. And like again, like you said, that's with Vancouver blowing like every single lead for the first two weeks of the season. Whatever stat I saw against Florida, it was I think it was two goal. It was another it was another stat. I think it was they they have blown the most two goal leads. I know. Vancouver was setting records for the most consecutive to start a season, but it's just, yeah, it's just brutal. And like, thank goodness they've been able to put a string of string, some wins here together. That LA game, like again, they were up what? Five, two, five, two. And then if not for, even though Markstrom led in some shitty goals, if not for that miraculous save in the last minute, that game's going overtime and LA is a team. You are realistically, they're the team you're trying to catch. Um, yeah. the, the Florida game, the shootout's a coin toss. So like you blew another, you blew two, two goal leads. Um, you almost blew the LA three goal lead. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you have a two goal lead against Winnipeg too? Or no, no, you had a one goal lead, but. Just and this really, is really to, frustrating. I mean, and that's not the thing. Like, not like we saw last season. Yeah. Not like we saw last season where they had the killer instinct where. You know what? They wouldn't let games get out of hand. And even early in the year, like that game against the Oilers, first game of the year, game against the Avs, like even if that started to happen, they'd kill it pretty quick. I get they're depleted on the blue line. That maybe is the primary driver of this and Markstrom's letting in shitty goals all the time. But for a team that's supposed, for a team that is kind of transitioning from 
being a high scoring team that's going to destroy you five on five every night to a team that really needs to be able to lock it down defensively. They haven't been locking it down defensively at key moments in the game. Yeah. And the power play is still oh, a big it's still a big problem, even though it's even though it's gotten better, it's still a big problem. We have to boycott even talking about Daryl Center. There was a clip of Daryl and Muller kind of like I don't they were having an intense conversation on the bench tonight. Um my hope is that Daryl was telling him to get his shit together and figure it out on the power play or something. Over two again tonight. It's unbearable I mean, to watch. What is it in the last 45? I think we've had four or five power play goals. It was like, yeah, 45. it was like before the Florida game, it was like three for 20 or three for 21 or something. That's fucking brutal. At least the thing is, like, tonight. All these one goal games, right? And especially when you're blowing leads, all these one goal games, all these games where the margin of error is very slim. Like, if you score a power play goal against Tampa, you're probably at least getting a point of that game. Go back to all the games they've lost this year. If they had scored a power yeah. play goal, guaranteed they have at least two or three more wins this season. Like, just a at goal. Least, one goal. At, at least we are seeing some personnel changes mainly on PP2, and we are seeing some some new setups. We're finally seeing Kadri on us one time, Defoli on us one time. Hubie on the one time, but why are why are they still even though the guys got set up on one times, they're not doing cross ice one time passes, which is the thing that all the teams that score goals on power plays do. They're still feeding it to Rasmus Anderson. Like who just lobs a freaking floater in. I can't remember what game it was. I think it was like two games ago. LA maybe. Or no, it was Tampa. It was Tampa. There's Rasmus Anderson straddling the blue line. Nope, let me back up. I want to get as far as fucking away as I possibly can from everybody on the ice. Like you're not you're not scoring from way back there, man. It's so far away. It's fucking miles away. Yeah, miles. I think, I think we were texting about it. We were like the flames, instead of going towards the net, the flames power play actively backs off the net. And like special ass. Yeah, and like crass. Watch him. He he gets the puck instead of inching forward like Macar fucking any dangerous team defenseman dude. Just inch back. Inch yeah, back. yeah, I think I shoot think, from uh, the back foot. He's literally as far back on the blue line. He's he's playing the puck on the blue line. I think he even shot had a shot in that Tampa game where one of his feet was like outside the blue. It's ridiculous on the power play. Hundred percent, he did. But tonight we're seeing a few different things changing. I mean, they did score the one. What game was this? L.A. Yes. Lindholm. Yeah, the garbage one in front. Lindholm got it. Yes, but why did that happen? Because you saw a cross-crease pass. Those are so fucking dangerous. Well, it just creates chaos. Even though the guy flubs it, it still ends up in the middle of the crease where there's Lindholm right there. Kind of bounces in. No lucky goal, but you're you're now playing in the dangerous area. It's so fucking dangerous. Those cross-crease passes, you can get them through there. Or are those, please... More cross ice passes. Hopefully, we're starting to see some changes here, and hopefully that they're going to end up fucking. Oh God, they have to. They have to fix the power play. Have to. It's a big, especially when you're struggling to score a goal. Not that they're just like absolutely dogging at five on five and they can't score a goal, but when you're not scoring as many goals at five on five as you'd like, you need to be able to come through on the power play. So you snap a seven-game losing streak 
with Chris Tanev coming back, dude, how good was he in this first oh, game against Winnipeg? He might be um, chalk him up with one of the main reasons why we can wow. win a game for forever. What are they like? They showed the record with Tanev in oh, the lineup versus out the lineup, and it's ridiculous. And, and it's not like oh, it's just a coincidence. It yeah. is a direct correlation to how this this team has success. No, he was un- he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable every day. He's a, he's he, it's he's so good defensively. It's it's kind of absurd. And like I think he's probably still kind of hurt based on the fact he's been like playing with Gilbert and. I mean, his ice time has been not super limited, but I don't think he's playing as much as he probably would if he was totally healthy. Eight, they're eight and four with ten in the lineup, and like one, two, and three without him in the lineup. It's just, it's, it's such, and when you have to play two of those AHL guys, and then yeah, it just makes such a big difference to have him in the lineup. Even though Gilbert, like I, it's not like he's been bad. He's been, he's been Gosh. doing Lucic's job for like quarter of the price he's been really he's been fine but when you have to have like Gilbert and D Simone or Gilbert and Mackie it creates a bit of a train wreck yeah I mean Tana was injured at the same time Stone was injured and Huberto was injured yeah so you're feeling the effects even more so it's quantified but yeah I mean missing him and then him coming back in the lineup man this guy is like it's uh, I every day I'm, I'm mesmerized by this guy. He's one of the funnest players to watch in the league. Like, he is. He's just so everything he does is just is fun to watch. He skates well, makes a great pass. Just such just little fun hockey shit in the D zone. That's just so fun to watch. But um, yeah, he's pretty much the Flames MVP on it. I, you, you realize how much this team needs him when he was injured last year in the playoffs. Like not they don't need him. Like it's required for them to be successful. Yeah, totally. Uh, you mentioned Gilbert. We we met. We talked about him in the last podcast. How? Oh yeah, I like that guy over a decent moment. That was the guy that fought. Yeah, yeah, that fight. And he's got three fights in five games. He beat the, and, he beat the dude, shit out these, of Lomberg on Saturday. These aren't just fights. Like he's three for three. He's fucking tough. Who does not love fighting? Hey, you want to win a fucking fan base's heart? Fight three times in five games. I mean, you telling me Sutter doesn't like fucking watching this? How Dude, is this guy Darryl not going? It. Yeah. How now we got someone that's going to push, and he's pretty sound defensively, from what I can tell. I don't know what his underlings look like, but I like the guy. Well, yeah, and Daryl's been saying we need one of these guys to, to play better, is what he said. You know, like make a difference, be a difference maker. Yeah, he's been a difference maker. Not, not often you say that about a guy who fight about like fight. Yeah, it makes a difference sometimes. Lucic, hello, could you do that too, man? Like nah, your job, nah, dude. Fucking, nah, he makes too much money for that, dude. So stupid. Has he has Lucic fought once yet? I guess it's different when probably not many players want to fight Lucic. Sure, but, but I mean, do something then, Milan. Please, can you do something other than take penalties? be a nice change but yeah gilbert's been fine like i don't think you want him in your lineup as a regular but i think you sure he sure earned his keep more than connor mackey or uh Yusuf valley mackey did in training camp or anybody else has well mackey has done nothing for me zilch yeah valley mackey apparently is doing pretty well with arizona yeah is, he's is got that, no is that still a thing i think it's still a thing like he's got no pressure they suck you know they're brutal he's like the best player on a terrible 
team. I mean, Chitron's back now, so he's not the best player, but they're terrible. The other guy on the back end who I think we should is worth a conversation is how good Zadorov has been. Oh my god! Like the two's been a fucking freaking monster. Me? Well, hey, we we were talking about the last one or two. He's like the new Matthew Kachuk, where it's just like you guys totally. I'll get us a goal. You need a big play. I'll make us a big play. You need big to get play, back. Big play, big hit, energy, Dude, exactly. This guy's fucking crushing people. It was it was a tonight. He pulled some guy off. Yeah, uh, I don't know who it was on Philadelphia, but he shot the empty net after the whistle, and Zadorov just did not. Didn't appreciate that. Let him know. That's fucking great. He's fucking huge. You see the uh, the intermission with him and Ryan <laughs> Leslie? Yeah, I mean, he's on skates still, but, dude, he's, like, two feet taller. He's dude, massive. Yeah, like, I remember last year people were hating on Zadoro. I think that's it was started a bit this – like, this guy is a guy who had a career season last year. He could have done what Eric Branson did, and, I mean, good for Eric Branson because Columbus is freaking insane for offering him $16 million because he's terrible. But – um, Zadorov could have done that for sure. I guarantee there's teams probably offering a long term. Like he had a career year last year. He's he's still in his still in his prime. Just hit UFA and he he stayed with the Flames on a very team friendly deal. And he's been great this season. And well, like him dude, and him and Gabranson had a great last season. But I think this is the best we've seen him this little stretch of eight games. Oh, totally. Games, and I mean, it's play, been. playing with Uyghur definitely helps. And Zadorov himself said that. He, you know, like they've a lot of people have been talking to him today because Daryl said, you know, Zadorov's been our best defenseman, and that caused quite the tizzy in the Calgary media community. Oh, oh he's the best defenseman. Oh, oh. Um, but they were talking to Zadorov, and he's like, Yeah, I've been playing with Weir, who's a great player, and it makes it easy to play. So, uh, just another reason to like the guy. He's so likable and um, nice, but he has been dynamite. Like you said, like it's not just that he's playing sound defense, it's like he's, he's like, Becoming a heartbeat of this team sometimes when you need a big play, like you said, energy guy, like just doing shit that a leader does. Okay, we are out of this game. I'm going to do something. Exactly. He's dragging this team into the battle. That's exactly correct. (laughs) Maybe he learned it from, uh, I don't know who we could have possibly learned that from. Because a lot of times this season, we, you know, we're watching the game and we're like, fuck, if Chucky was on the team, he'd be dragging these losers kicking and screaming into battle. There was a that stat sometimes. that uh, that Chris sent me. Chris, if you're listening, you'll know who you are, Chris. Kachuk with 26 points in his first 17 games as a Florida Panther franchise record. I mean, you, you, I saw in your stories today. Yeah. Goudreau has, uh, even though he's putting up decent counting stats, his his underlines look terrible. Uh, but Matthew Kachuk's are just through the roof counting stats and underlings. Um, I kind of we didn't see much of Kachuk in the Florida game till the very end when they were down and they needed a fucking goal. Familiar, eh? All too familiar. Gets the team a point single handedly, forces it into OT. Beautiful shootout. We'll get to it, but. Um, I do want to start with the Winnipeg game. We'll get to Kachuk. This Winnipeg game, Winnipeg is playing fucking great. And I don't think they've they've lost since we played them. Um, they even came, they almost lost tonight to Carolina. The massive comeback, but they held on. Winnipeg is playing great. It's a team that we have such a hard time 
to beat, apparently, for some reason, ever since the bubble. Well, I mean, also um, now Rick Bonus is their coach who, like, he, he, given how the Stars played the Flames in the first round last year with Rick Bonus behind the bench, like, that guy knows how to stifle the Flames, too. Yeah. So this, to me, was a fucking, uh, this was a real gutsy win to snap a, a seven-game losing skid. I don't know how you felt about it. Um, obviously, you were kind of just hanging on for dear life at the end. And Daryl's had this this whole quote of, instead of uh, relief, we want to get to belief. I was really happy with just relief that game. Um, but I thought that was a great win um, because just the, given the nature of how everything was starting to fall in on itself um, in terms of the, you know, the standings, um, what a fucking game. Well, you, that was like the first, like, again, we'd been pretty calm during the losing streak, but that was like, K, like you got to win. Yeah. Like you have to win, like, like no more. Yeah. You have and to. I thought that was a really good game from some guys who, especially Lindholm. I thought Lindholm was great that game, but, um, you know, some guys who have been a little bit up and down, Anderson, Hannafin, but Lindholm specifically, Lindholm, the top line gets you both goals. I mean, we haven't even talked about how great Rizich has been. Oh. Um, Marshall, well, I mean, there was an interesting comment from Sutter too, right? Yeah, with Rizichka and Lindholm because Lindholm had finally started scoring some goals. And Sutter basically says to the media, Well, it's because he finally found somebody he likes to play with, aka not Huberto, aka Adam Rizichka, aka thank you because. I'll take whatever fucking scenario we had to go through to get him in the lineup as a regular. I mean, we've been pushing for him as a regular since we saw him last season come in out of the, in the lineup, in out of the lineup. No, we're going to dress Richie. No, we're going to dress where the fuck it was last last year. No, we're going to dress Rudy. No. Rzichka is the guy. Yeah, and like he's the, turning, he's turning in, he's becoming a better player under Sutter. Well, and that's what I didn't really understand. I get that Daryl wants him to be a more consistent player. But I mean, if you watch how many games did he played last year, I think he played at least, he played over 20 when Monaghan was hurt. He did not look out of place and made the team better on a lot of nights. And like, he, he scored, he, he made the team offensively better and was fine in his own end last year. So I never really understood like, and I, Kevin Rooney, finally, thank you. He's finally in the, in the doghouse, but I never understood why Rizicka has been on the outs to start this season based on how good he was last year. But you know what? Like Huberto gets hurt and it opens up an opportunity and the guy freaking took it. And thank God, because I don't, I don't ever want to see Rooney or Richie or Lucic or anybody playing over this guy again. I was stammering a bit there because I was looking at this Winnipeg game. I'm like, I thought Hubie scored, but no, that he wasn't even in yet. No, he was still hurt. Hubie came back in LA. So they won this game without Huberto, but I think this was Tana's first game back. So you're still, you're still short, like a key player. Um, but they found a way. Lindholm gets his, his fifth of the season. That was a weird one. Kind of just sneaks through there. You finally got some luck, right? Yeah. This... And then Rizicka with the fantastic two-on-one pass from Lindholm. That was fucking yeah, that was money. Yeah, that was great. And I think, I don't know, I, you could probably try to read too much into it and break it down why there's some chemistry between Rizicka and, and Lindholm. I think, you know what, it's probably just Lindholm settling into his game again like I, I think i said in the last one that he's more of a grinder than a skill guy and i didn't really mean it in a way like he doesn't have skill but you know like i think when he's playing his game he's kind of just a 
meat and potatoes guy. Yeah, it makes sense to me. He's not super flashy. You're not, not going to yeah. get on the highlight reel every, every night. but And he's kind of just settled into that now and, and just, you know, playing his game as opposed to trying to do too much, which I think he was definitely doing when he was playing with Huberto. So I think this is good. Ride this little chemistry out as long as it's working. But um, yeah, he was great that game. Well, you can see Lions and players get into funks all the time. like, And we've seen it a shit ton where you try and play – players with Johnny Goudreau and it's just like this mental thing. They can't, they can't figure out how to do it. Right. It's just like, don't fo- don't try to think about anything. Just go play hockey. Yeah. Right. Like Manji Pony struggled with that. Maybe he's struggling with that now, but I feel like that lot, top line with Hubert Olenholm because taking Hubie some time to, when they were in the top line, uh, taking Hubie some time to settle in and Lindholm obviously with the new lineup. But I remember we were talk- talking about it. I was just like, maybe he just needs to stop trying to get open the way he used to. Just start making plays and grinding meat and potatoes, right? Yeah. And he was so it's working. Yeah. And Defoli has kind of been quieter, but at least he's chipping in. Not on a super consistent basis, but consistent enough. Yeah, he was probably the team's best forward through the first 10 games. And then... You know, like what what have your thoughts of, of Toffoli been on that line with? Because obviously Lindholm and Rzizka are clicking, the two of them. I like Toffoli there. Yeah, I think he's he's been fine. I'm still curious to see the long term, like what that looks like. Because I think long term, you, you maybe still want Huberto up there to like feed Toffoli. Yeah. But, well, um, that's the beauty, beauty thing about Daryl. He never gets no. stuck on any one idea. Exactly. He doesn't give a shit if it worked in the past. If it's not working now, he's not going to try. Well, and that's the thing that was kind of funny about, like, the lines, the whole, like, because, man, has it been a topic of conversation and caused a lot of consternation? Did it start in this game, or I guess it was the next game where he kind of had, like, a fourth liner dispersed on each line? Um, Yeah, well, it was at the end of the last podcast, because we were poo-pooing this whole, no, he hasn't lost the room. Like, come on. Like, it's been fucking, it's been six, seven games. They're playing good still. Like, fucking forget about it. And then the next game, he came out with the lines just jumbled. Or maybe it was even the LA Kings game, and people were just losing him. I mean, it's it's a good point when you say he doesn't stick. He doesn't have any loyalty to, like, dumb narratives or ideas, right? Because we see lines, and we try to come up with, like, our own little stylistic narratives. It's like, this guy will be meshed with this guy because he's a good forechecker, and this guy will mesh with this guy because he's a good... Uh, you know what he skates with the puck well. It's like they're losing a shit about any of that outside of what he's seeing himself and what he thinks will work and w's. and al- and also W's. What actually works in reality? Just cares about W's. So, I mean, whatever, whatever it's working. Yeah, it's it's working for now. So. Backland, like again, you you can like you're saying you can try and analyze Rizicholino. You try and analyze Hubert Backland, like. It's working. Yeah, it's like that. The two worst finishers on the entire team in Backlund and Coleman with the best playmaker. Hey, they were fucking awesome tonight against the Flyers. Hubie, um, dude, Hubie is, uh, whew, Hubie's coming around. I know you were, uh, yeah, the other day you were losing. <laughs> I'm like, I just had a gut feeling like, no, no, he's, he's going, he's gonna, he'll figure it out. I'm like, I just had, I just got this. I just, he's gonna figure it out, dude. He's going to, he's gonna fill the void that either Matthew or Johnny, I think maybe Matthew left behind. Yeah, definitely. Like it's gonna, it's gonna happen. We're starting to see it. Well, and again, maybe this is just, maybe this is just like you know making a nice little storyline in my head. But 
I feel like that Florida game was big for him. Oh yeah. Like to just finally get over it. You know what? Daryl, it's like, fuck Daryl, man. He's so smart. He puts it in a way that like nobody really articulated. Um, I think it was before the Florida game. He was like, you know, Matthew was ready for this. He decided he wanted this and he's jumped right in and he's been great. And it's like, well, of course, you know, you make your mind up about something. Hubert didn't expect to be traded, came out of the blue, nailed him. You know, he's probably still feeling the effects of that. Like he, if you asked him truthfully, do you like, you know, you, you can say it's all well and good and like, yeah, I've turned, turned the page, moved on. Probably hadn't yet. Right. Well, that's closure for you, man. Exactly. So like that, he, he left in, it's just like any relationship. If you leave in a, in a way that leaves a sour taste in your mouth, it might take you a while to, to kind of get over, you know, whatever it is, pain or anger or whatever it is, resentment. But going back there, the welcome he got from the, the fans, a little pass he's doing with Barkov. How cool is that? That was cool. That was so cool. And then and then he has a, a good game, and then he puts a, he finally puts a stamp on a game. Finally. Fucking shootout goal, clutch shootout goal, win the game. Fuck yeah. Comes down tonight, 2-1-1, on one. oh, he's going to pass it. Look at him. He's Hubert. Oh, of course, he, watch out for the pass, Snipe. Sniped it. Underrated shot this guy has. Guy needs to shoot more for sure. Yeah. But, so, yeah, you might be onto yeah. something. Um, and obviously, if that's what, you know, Daryl's – Suggesting that is probably right too. Yeah, he's looked better and better and more comfortable in each game. And I, yeah. like you, like you were just saying, with guys who just you know thinking too much, that's definitely what it looked like. It's just like just yeah. play. I thought there was a guy who was on the intermission. I can't remember his name. He was some random guy, maybe Mike Johnston or something, an older guy on the intermission. This was a couple of weeks ago, and they were just Francis is ripping Hubert out saying yeah yeah blah blah blah, and this guy was just like you know what like. Hubert O needs to stop trying to think what Daryl's thinking and just play his game. Yeah, I saw that. It's totally yep. true. Just like, not that he's, I think there's definitely been some adjustment issues with how Daryl wants him to play, but also you still have to do the things that have made you a hundred, one of the highest scoring players in the entire league over the last five years. Like you, you can't forget that you're one of the best players in the league. And definitely through those first few games, Hubert O looked like he was thinking rather than playing by instinct so i i think he's i really hope he's coming around because i already love this guy and i just want him to just shoot the lights out well and you don't know the extent of you know the injuries potentially too that he might have been dealing with so but it looks like he's he's feeling it right now like that so he you know hubert is still watching that winnipeg game uh we didn't mention the the play by backland where he the little flip pass to himself. The flip pass to himself. I mean, we saw this fucking that highlight real goal he scored again in Washington, like yeah, one two right. seasons ago, right? And then he feeds Lewis. Like it was a great two on one pass. That was awesome. What Lewis has fin- been underratedly good as well. This year. What a finish by Lewis. Hey folks, just a quick word from some sponsors. You can use our code in the dome pod over at SeatGeek if you are looking to score a deal on some tickets. That code is in the dome pod. If you're going to the Flames game or just need tickets for something and you find a sweet deal over at SeatGeek, you can save an extra 20 bucks off your first order with that promo code in the dome pod. Hey folks, our show is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, NFL Sundays are only getting better and so are the incredible offers over at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
So right now, everybody can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets. Which team will win? Player props and point bets. With payouts that are better than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook should be your go-to when you're betting on the NFL. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. And we saw that unreal save by Markstrom earlier in the game against Wheeler. The little cartwheel fucking... meal. That was an unreal. It's crazy. So that was a fantastic win. Um, I know probably underlings Winnipeg was a better team, but you still hung on to win, and that was the main thing. I don't yeah, know if that, you have any well, metrics no, you want to go I through. Think but... the, I think the Flames played a really good first and third, but that second period they kind of got caught a little bit. But it was, I think it was similar to some of those early games in the year where really good start kind of got away from them but they managed to relay back in and shut it down in the third. So um, that was a really good game from, from some guys. I think Anderson and Hannafin have been pretty up and down this year. I thought they were good in that game. The LA Kings game, you win six, five, you hang on. Like we mentioned, you have a five, two. Looked like it was freaking route. You almost blow a five, two lead, but Hubie uh, comes back with a vengeance, man. His first game back, sticks it in Eric Francis's face. You obviously saw this because before. Yeah, that was great. Before the game, I don't know if it was directly the day of or when it was, but. Yeah, I think it was pregame. Pregame or prior to the game, day before, whenever. Francis is being Francis. A good word to describe your season so far. How, how would you describe your season so far? Yeah, I'm, I mean, hasn't been, you know, the best for me, but obviously, you know, it's, uh, it's early and. Uh, you know, we went to in a bad stretch as a team as well, and I think everybody, you know, has to get out of it. And I think it's that for me. So I think I got a couple of days to kind of refocus and mentally, and um, now I'm ready to go and be the best as I can. He was just like, "Fuck this guy," and then so after the game, Francis says, "A little bit of relief we saw in that celebration when you scored." Sure, it was interesting. Hey, it's a good term. Hey, how would you describe your your uh, your goal there? Uh? Interesting, wasn't it? It's a pretty good word, isn't it, Eric? Interesting. <laughs> yeah, just fucking give it. And in that moment, Huberto became my favorite flamey. Holy shit. And fuck, has he been good since? Yeah. Thanks, Eric. So the Kings score two quick ones. Kaliev looked good. I thought he was going to have to get a hat trick on us. That second then, goal was terrible on Markstrom. Yeah. But then the, the Flames respond. Monch has a nice little turnaround snipe. Richie almost misses it. But somehow it goes in still. No, no, Richie did miss it. Yes, Richie does still went miss. In. I think that's what you're like. Yeah, you text me. You're like, oh, Richie almost misses it. I'm like, he did miss it. <laughs> it still went in. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Foley snipe from Lindholm, that was, that was such sick. a thing of beauty. And at this point, you're like, finally. Yeah. You, get the, you get the hump, over the hump with Winnipeg, and that's how you have to do it. You have to grease it out. And now the floodgates start to open. You're just feeling good as a fan. You're like, fuck, we got this. 4-2, 5-2. Then, no. It's nope. not a done deal. The Flames can't win. The Flames have to be Flames. 
Blames you. And right? make this as hard as possible. What was it? It was, uh, yeah, it was the uh, Edmonton game. In the first game of the, the playoff matchup. And it was Kent Wilson after the game, right? 7-6 win. He had two five-goal leads. Or was it three? They won 9-6, actually. It's like, it's like, can't the Flames just win a game without fucking it being a Flamesy game? Like, can't they? Like, that's what I'd like to see. Just Can we just relax for half a game? Or does it have to be a fucking nail-biter every fucking time? So, anyways, almost blew it. Um, Markstrom was shaky in this one. That goal by Kopitar, I know people had a problem with it. It's pretty far out, but it is Kopitar. He's a fucking snipe show off the post. It was a good shot. But then he fucking stones Kopitar to win you the game. Markstrom wins you the game there. Yeah, he should have had one of the Kaliev goals for sure, but like that save was incredible. So there's arguments to be made. I think right now you're just like, yeah, it is kind of Mark, uh, Mike Smithitis. Yeah, he, he's letting in bad ones, but he's also making unbelievable ones. But that fucking save on Kopitar, dude, that was Kopitar all alone. I thought that point was blank in. range, basically an open net. He comes out of just complete desperation, complete athleticism, fucking stops it. That was like a Kipper on Wellwood type save, almost. Like I don't really get out off my seat very often for saves. Goals all the fucking time. I was fucking, I spring, I was like a fucking I got <laughs> launched. I got launched off the couch, man. I just fucking, sp- I was, yeah. Like a slingshot off the couch. I was like, I was freaking out, dude. I think that's the best Markstrom save we've ever seen. To win yeah, you totally. fucking back to back games. The, you saw the windmill and that save in back to back games is incredible. So good on him. He's got to. He's got to make saves like that. Yeah. If he's letting in goals, like he's letting in. And then you go back to the Tampa. Yeah. Back on the road. Tampa, we, we got fucking dominated this game, dude. Yeah, that was a. Godfrey gives you some life with a late goal, and the fucking was it ten seconds later? It was like Marshall eight seconds later. Yeah. Less than a fucking floater from the fucking blue line, like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. And that was such a deflating goal because, like you said, we we're getting dominated, couldn't get shit going. You're still kind of in it though, because it's only two nothing. You get back into it, and let the balloon like. Fuck. I don't know, man. Like I tweeted, maybe he needs a fucking night off. People were like, "We're a week," but at what well, point are you like, are you like Daryl? Like, stop playing every fucking night. But the, then the, he plays them the next two games, and it works. The thing is, I can't. Like I, when Daryl, every time I question, right? And every exactly. time you're like, what the hell is Lucci? Why are these lines ha- featuring? Why is Lewis, Richie, and Lucci all spread out on different lines? Why is Hubert oh, playing with oh. Backlund and Lewis? Every oh. every line scores in the first period. Oh. Why is Markstrom playing again? Oh, we're four. Yeah. Wins in five, five games. Oh. Exactly. So. Oh, that's why. Just you got to trust he knows what he's doing for the most part. And it's not yeah. like the other thing I find with the Markstrom discussion is Vladar has not been very in the starts he's had. He's not been very good either. So I can understand why Daryl is simultaneously trying to get Markstrom going while trying to win games too. Yeah. I think they're, I think that's mostly the reason why he's starting every night. I think Daryl is just like forcing him to be the number one undisputed fucking starter that's going to start winning you games instead of losing you games. Well, and again, it's the long-term play with Daryl. I know everyone's like, oh, Vladar is supposed to play every week. Daryl knows this team can't do shit if Jacob Markstrom is not the number one elite net miner he needs to be. 
So yeah. in the long term, he needs to get him going. Yeah. Anything else from that Tampa game, man? That was fucking terrible. No, that was hard to watch. That was one of those games where it's just like, holy shit, I can't even. Like, they got the high danger chances of like 18 to 4. The Flames had like no scoring chances, no energy, no jump. Nothing. Yeah. Like, uh, did Gilbert fight in that game or no? That was the one he didn't. Um, Or did he? I don't remember. No, no, because it's been Longberg and then tonight. Yeah, that was was just, ugh. Yeah, that was fucking gross. Then Florida, you're kind of like, oh, God. We just got shit canned by Tampa. We saw what happened last year. Florida doesn't seem to be kind of the same theme to me because they were just high flying, high scoring. They don't really play like that. It's a different style under Maurice. Oh, they're what still, the? F- they're still good. Why but... are they hiring Paul Maurice? Is my question. I they're they're still they're a really good team. They've had some great underlying numbers with like not particularly great results. Kind of similar to us, I think, this year. But Paul Maurice, I know it's such an off the wall hire. Eh? Like. Like talk about, is it working? I don't know. Like again, like they have strong underlyings. I think they're a really good team, but I don't really get what Paul Maurice brings to the table. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I don't know. I can tell you, puts his his fucking stamp on this game. Power play two, oh. oh, dude. The power play one was so bad in this game. I was literally losing my mind. I can't even. I as soon as they get out, I'm like, get two on there. And it's yeah. just like so bad. And then and then eventually Daryl does start with two and then they score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was good. Zadorov had a sweet little wrister set up from Rizichka on the half boards. What a play by Rizichka to find him. Dude. Like how good was Rizichka? Dude, he, he was the this, best. He's, yeah, he was yeah. the best player on the ice. Mike Smith coughs the puck up behind the net, gives it <laughs> gives it away for a wraparound goal. <sighs> the Panthers are good. That was a good game, man. If you were not a flame, that if was, you were not, yeah, if you were unbiased, like that was a fun game to watch. That was one of the best games of the year. The storylines are great, right? Everybody was kind of involved. Yep. Kachuk, obviously. I was sick. I I was expecting Kachuk to be making trouble. Well, we didn't really notice him much. He was he was quiet. Game. So I maybe he's just saving it for the 29th. When he's in the Saddle Dome, maybe he didn't want to start shit and then have to face like retribution when he comes back. Maybe he just wanted to save it all for for one game. But I was I really thought he was going to go after some guys. I was I'm surprised he didn't. I surprised he wasn't like slashing Huberto or like going after Backlund or Rasmus or something. This might be a thing where it's just like remember when Lucic couldn't fight an Oilers fan or Oilers player for like three seasons. Yeah, it's probably similar, dude. Chucky's got respect for this. Well, apparently cool. he had the yeah he had the, some of the guys over to his new place, which looks insane, by the way. Leslie's interviewing, and I'm like, yeah, I can totally, I, I, yeah, I, I understand why, why you're there, Matthew. He's got a pool in okay. his backyard. Just living in paradise, huh? Imagine being fucking. Imagine being 24, just a fucking millionaire, living in fucking Florida, unreal. Playing hockey, like that's your life. Fuck. So uh, good on you there, Matthew. But there, there were some man. He was really good in that game too, though. On the ice, like there was a couple shifts. There was that shift where he had the puck. He kept the possession alive for the Panthers for like a full two minutes. Draws a penalty on Mangiapane. Had like two scoring chances. It was just like, man, do we miss that? Yeah, of course he ties it up too. Of course, who the fuck else would tie it up late? Who else? No one. That's what he does, man. That's why fucking he's. I still love him. But no, of course, those jerseys like you, I I would buy Kachuk one of those jerseys for sure. Those jerseys, yeah, I would do. Those jerseys remind me of that uh, semi-pro movie that 
Will Ferrell did Jackie Moon. Yeah. Tropic Thunder, not a show. But like <laughs> always reminds me of that. It's so funny. I thought it was cool. I the the Huberto Barkoff thing was really cool. It's kind of cool to see like other fans as like because it feels like we're always on this side of like losing fan favorite players. It's kind of yep. cool to see like guys we have now that are like people miss. And dude, how clutch was that freaking Huberto shootout goal? Dude, dude. That might be that might just turn our season around that one fucking shootout goal. If he misses that, think about how he's feeling. Think about how we're feeling. Team loses, Kachuk gets the win. You want to go through this not trusting Daryl Sutter? Virtually every single one of his shootout picks outside of um outside, no, outside of the first one. Who 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 shot first? Caudry. Outside of Caudry, I I was like, why is he picking Lindholm? Why is he picking Hero? Why is he picking back? Why is he why is it Raf? I was losing it. Dude, Raf I'm like, where is Toffoli? Everybody collectively, when you saw Anderson, were like, what the Rasmus? No. Exactly. Even Hubert, I was like, why would you put Hubert out there? He's got how many goals? It's like when you have Toffoli sitting there or Dubay, they're great in the fucking shootout. Anyways, fucking works. Rasmus, that goal was unbelievable. Dude, freaking shades, shades of Ole Jokin and doing the wind up there. Dude, the one angle from behind the net, he basically shoots that from the goal line, man. There was I like, don't even, yeah, like it was such a weird was, move. I've never seen that before. No. What a fucking win. Chucky with the slap shot. <laughs> What's he doing? What a fucking asshole. <laughs> Fuck you, Chucky. <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> Just claps it. Oh, and Markstrom shows it to him. That was awesome. How, okay, yeah. but like everybody's like, why did Kachuk slap it? Imagine that goes in and he wins the game on a freaking shootout clapper. That would be the most Kachuk thing ever. So, no shit. Oh man, that was I was that was a great win. I felt so good after that. Yeah, that was an awesome win. It was a cathartic win. It was yes. just the whole game was just exactly what I think we needed and the Flames needed and Huberto and Weger needed Huberto specifically. Yep. Fast forward to tonight's game. Philadelphia. There's a trap game. You know, you see the lineup. Four, six regulars out of the lineup. 400 guys you never heard of. Oh, God. They're playing uh, half an AHL roster. This is not going to go good. That's the first thing you think of when you hear that. But like we mentioned, the Huberto goal. Woo! And then Dubé gets a 2-1-1. He snipes. Then who was it? Monty Pania, the 2-1-1 should have sniped. Misses Didn't the net. Missed the net by a freaking country mile. What's up with him? Is he hurt? I don't know. Oh, he's lost it, man. The thing that – like, yeah. He's lost his touch. Oh, let's hope he gets it back. Let's the hope thing... he doesn't need to go to world fucking whatever that is, cup again, <laughs> get it back. The, the thing that I find odd about him right now is that even when he's usually not scoring – He's still a really effective player and doing a lot of great things. Like he hasn't been good at all. Yeah, that's true. He's still mucking it up and whatnot, but he's not necessarily driving play and setting up play like he usually does. Yeah, like you don't. He's, he's going to find it though. He's going to find it. I, and that I, tur- dude, that fucking turnover, turnover tonight. Dude, it's late in the third period, and he fucking just passes it. Like your your whole team. Is trying to break out, and you just turn around, not really looking, just fired up the middle of the ice right to the other team. They go down and score, make it three two. 
Yeah, I'm not so. sure what he's doing. If it's all in his head, if he's just struggling. Because that's the thing. Like he's never been a guy who struggled based on his line mate. He just works his ass off and really good. So maybe he needs to not play with fucking skilled players. Maybe that's know. his mo. But maybe they should swap him and Huberto. Put yeah, put him with put him with Cole. You know Cole, he's awesome with Backlund and Coleman. So maybe that's but I mean Huberto's playing well there, right there. So he, I have to say one thing. I don't know if I, it's going to take me forever to get to to say Huberto's name right. Because I say Huberto and it's Huberto, and I'm like never going to say it right. For it's going to be a it's, long it's time. Huberto. It's Huberto. It's Huberto. Are you sure it's Huberto? It's Huberto. It's not Huberto. I, I say, say Huberto too. Me too. It's a hard. It's like a French. I never say like the ooh, like who, like ooh. It's probably Huberto. It's yeah. It's probably Huberto. I'll never say Huberto. No, it's hard. It's hard French. enough for me to say Huberto. So I'll be saying Huberto. It's hard, it's hard enough for you to say Uyghur for crying out loud. Exactly. It'll be kind of like a Goudreau, Goudreau thing, you know, like my dad and Elliot Freeman still say Goudreau when it's Goudreau or a Mark Giordano to Mark Giordano thing. So it'll take me Gio. a while. Yeah. Why is his nickname Gio, everybody? <laughs> Should be Jor. <laughs> Should be Joe. <laughs> so it's sure. gonna take me a while to get to get his name right, but I I don't think I'm ever gonna be able to say Huberto. It's Huberto. Um, Williams ice it with two empty netters. That uh, first one, that little pass pass from uh, Tanev to Coleman was awesome. Great save by Markstrom on that play too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Again, saves the game. So, anyways, you got a formula that's kind of working. Obviously, Philadelphia is kind of a shit team right now. So, let's not get too ahead of ourselves because uh, you got Pittsburgh coming up. They're starting to turn it around now. Uh, Washington and Carolina. I mean, there's still a lot of the fucking road trip left here. This is a We're long starting- ass road trip. They're starting. The Flames are starting to get into a little bit of a groove here, which which you like though. Yeah, I like. Is it just me or is um, there's still? A lot of line juggling going on. Like for the most part, he's sticking with the new set lines, but mm-hmm. he does mix it up throughout the game, does he not? Or is it my? Well, he my has a lot drugs? of after penalty kills. He he does it to even out ice time a lot. Um, he he did that last year a lot too. I think I think that's kind of one of Daryl's things. But I think we're still. I think we have yet to see the final lines take shape. Yeah, same. if I had to guess, because I, things are working okay now, but I think there's still probably some adjustments that'll be made over the season. I think you're going to see a Huberto and a Marge swap here pretty soon. Yeah, w- wouldn't be surprised. And I mean, I think that's probably like I don't know. It, it's weird that Daryl hasn't gone to the Cadre Huberto duo. Like maybe he doesn't see a fit there. Um, and I can kind of see that. Like I don't know, Cadre plays a little differently than I expected him to. Um, he, he does like, I don't know if I had to just go stylistically, like I would say he'd probably work better with like kind of a grinder guy who can get pucks like Mangiapane should be doing, isn't doing. Um, but I don't know. I think once Huberto kind of has, now that he's settled in and kind of knows the system, maybe you try that again. I don't know. Anything from the kind of five games you rattled off, like game stats wise, from any one of the games or any few of the games that you want to cover? 
I don't think I so. Do, like <clears throat> you do a really good job of uh, just doing a recap of each game in terms of chances for and against high danger and course, and all that kind of stuff, maybe just across the board, this five game stretch. What have you kind of noticed? Well, I think outside of the Tampa game where they got pretty shit canned in in every category, just they got murdered. It's been, the flames have been pretty defensively like sound, like lower event games. Like they haven't been creating a ton either, but I think, I think you've been, at least I have been happy with the amount of scoring chances they're allowing. Cause I think during that seven game losing streak, there were some of those games. And I mean, even some of those games they won like that game, they beat Carolina. They were just defensive breakdown after defensive breakdown after defensive breakdown. Yep. And I, some of that in the Florida game, that was a higher scoring game, but I think they've been keeping it relatively low event, which is good for the team again, outside of that lightning game. Like against the Kings, you just you dominated them. Some poor goaltending. The Jets games, that's a really even game. Florida game, even like that's a really even game. So I think that's what I've been kind of most happy with is that yeah, the guys, the guys like Huberto are rounding into form, and I'm really excited about that. But defensively, and again, of course, this coincides with Tanev being reinserted into the lineup. But yep. they're kind of reeling things in, and these games aren't getting out of control. It's like, holy shit, we just got murdered in the second period or murdered in, in the third period. The games are, are, you know, they're keeping control of the game on the defensive side of things. How much of this Because is do you think is due to the new pairings? Like, when did he start these new pairings? Because... Yeah, I think that's lots of it. And Daryl's even said that, right? Because people have been asking him, like, you know, what's with the defense, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, nobody has been on the same pairing they were on last year other than Erasmus and Hannafin. Yeah. Well, that's one thing he did say as a whole, right, for the team, because it's taken a, t- a bit for this team to, obviously, you go through a seven-game losing streak. It's taken a bit for them to gel to figure it out. But one thing Daryl did say is that if you look at when he first took over, there was a big adjustment period, and there's a lot of things that he was – trying to drill home. And finally, once the players adjusted, it was kind of the next season and they started rolling. Yeah. Well, you lost, you lost your core, some of your core players. You got all these new players and you have to, he has to re start all over again with a whole bunch of new, new characters. And so that's was kind of his analysis of why, why the slump and why there's, they're struggling. They're not clicking and all this stuff. And I think, you know, deep pairing is part of it. Oh yeah, Daryl. It's his famous line, right? Like he was talking about this the other day. He's like, last year, this, this, the the team had success because they got back to being an honest, hardworking team. It's all you know. At our team, it's the same thing we said last year coming into the year. That the most important thing is getting back to being an honest, hardworking team. Right? That's the most important thing. Our team last year learned that and did that. It took them thirty games a year before to figure that out. Right. Then they did it, and then you had guys that really took charge of that, and then you just left it alone. Right? So now we've had to restart that because, for sure, two of those guys that were involved in that aren't here no more. Right? And they were top players for us. So you've had to sort of, I said this earlier, that it's almost you're trying to do the reset again without those guys. So you're bringing new guys in that have to learn that or understand that, and it takes time. It's not. And with the parity in the league, it's it's hard. Yeah, and exactly. he like, took them thirty games the previous year to learn that, 
That the was the year, identity. Yeah. The next year, he said a lot of guys in this team, you know, fully took it, fully embraced that, right? Yep. And led this team to success because they, you know, fully embraced that. So that's kind of, you know, these new guys, okay, get back on that track, start leading the other guys, like really buy into this system. And, and it's just <laughs> for Daryl. And I think it's a really good way to put just about being an honest, hardworking team. I like how he just simplifies things. And yeah, no I think that's why hopefully Huberto's game, uh, you trust, you know, not just, just Huberto, but everybody's game will round into form. Yeah. Because I was listening to an interview with Johnny from, I don't know, it was on some podcast blah, 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 a while ago. But the question, which I thought was a good question, was what was like the one thing you learned from Daryl Sutter that, you know, was like the most important thing? And it wasn't some bullshit thing. It was just like Johnny was like, the biggest thing that I learned was to stop turning the puck over at the blue line. So that was a really good answer and yeah. probably just some things like that. Daryl's working on with the new guys, just things in your game that you want to clean up. I can't believe it wasn't just to hate to lose more. <laughs> hey, or play with more emotion. Yeah. Huh. Be more Crazy. emotionally engaged, baby. Oh yeah. We yeah. had a nice review that somebody was like pissed that we talk about Jeff. Well, wait, 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 Jeff Ford every wait, 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 because oh. I was going to say you got Daryl Sutter over here simplifying things and there's a direct positive result due to the simplification and you got jeff ward on the other hand fucking complicating things with a direct negative result so there you go now throw it in there these guys can't go five minutes without talking about jeff ward yes no we can't he scarred us for life and what was your uh your response is if perfect if if you can't get over the trauma jeff ward air induced on you i don't know if you're a real flames fan i i can't i can't believe you because 100%. if this show is anything you, you got to realize when you're listening to this this isn't media stuff this isn't and this isn't really even deep diving analysis this isn't a professional media podcast this is a therapy session for us and for you i hope this is all this exactly. is. we're just working through our trauma together and jeff ward is a big piece of that trauma so exactly hundred percent. But you nailed it. You better change the description of this podcast. Oh, absolutely. Instead of a fl flames fan podcast, flames therapy podcast. I mean, Hey, to be, in all honesty though, like that's why we started this thing because mm -hmm. we're sitting there in the same office as coworkers bitching about the flames. And you drive, you drive into work and listen to the fan. Oh, we're all good. Oh, fucking word says we're good. So we're good. No, they fucking suck. They're fucking terrible. Why did like come on? So yes, started this podcast because no one else was talking about how shitty they were when they were shitty. And here we are. It's fucking cathartic to get on here and fucking air out the frustrations right. and probably to listen to them. Mix in some comedy and you know tooting our own horn here, eh? That's right. <laughs> Right, yeah, so honest, back honest, hardworking team, right? Well, and they were, you know, we've had this debate, right? One of the first debates we had on this podcast was the grit, the grit debate. We haven't had to have that for so long. One of the uh, one of the debates in the recent two seasons has been this identity thing, and because there's been a lot of talk about identity before Daryl. And it's funny how when it's pre-Daryl, 
you're just like, fuck this identity idea. Just fucking win games. Then Daryl comes in and he's talking about identity and you go, oh, okay, okay. I guess, well, you know, and then it works. But it's like you said, instead of your identity being, I hate to lose and I want to play with more emotion, that's the identity we want to bring. Like those, those is fucking, it's not, that's not simple. That's complicated. How do you, how do you quantify it's not it? Like tangible. You always say. Yeah. It's not tangible. So I don't know. Like you said, he's simplified. It's a just team that works hard and, what does he say? What does he call it? Honest hard work. Honest hard work. That's it. Can you not check yourself at any time as a player and be like, am I bringing honest hard work? Like that's pretty fucking, that's a pretty simple bar of understanding to ask yourself and your teammates to bring to every game. Well, and again, like there's a good example of probably why he was doing that thing with the lines. Like, cause when Daryl does something, it's not, I know people just think there's I think there's a lot of people who want him to be as old school and kind of like goofy as he may as he might present like, oh, he just loves playing vets and fourth liners and relies on vets. But it's like you you think about why everything he does has a purpose behind it in the micro and the macro. Yep. So you look at that L.A. game where he puts a fourth liner on each line and you're like, what the fuck is he doing this for? Right. It's like, OK, well. You know what? He needed to win a hockey game because I he, so that those lines I think were the best configuration of like we need to win one game right now tonight. This is how we're gonna do it. But then you look at it, and the, you know, probably philosophically behind that is like, hey, these guys, Lucic, Richie, Lewis, you know what you're gonna get from them. Maybe the message is we have to play as a team to win. We're all like, you can't just, he always hates this individual shit, right? So yep. yeah, we're going to win this game as a team tonight, guys. All of yep. us. Well, and like coming back to that quote, whoever you said it was, Mike Johnson, probably. Huey's just got to get out there, stop thinking. Lindholm, go out there, stop yep. thinking. Manji Pawnee, Dubé, like, come on. It's work. Just go. And who does that? These fourth line fucking plugs. They don't think they just fucking go out there and do the same thing every day, right? <laughs> Sometimes to their detriment, but well, yeah, most when it yeah, most, most times. Time, but yeah, it does to the detriment. Like then, Brett, you've got a two on one. Look up, nope, dumping that puck in and getting like if, off. If you're Huberto and you got Brett Ritchie on your other wing, are you? You, got, you don't have time to think. Brett Ritchie isn't thinking, right? <laughs> like you can't pass him. You have to skid the puck up the ice. He's not even looking at you. He's just going. So simplifying the game. So I, maybe, you know what? He's probably he's probably not even tinkering. This is probably a formula he knows works somewhere along his fucking tenure. Like, I mean, the guy's been part of the NHL f- fucking ever. Like how many seasons has this guy been a part of the NHL, player and coach, GM, forever? He probably knows that this is a tactic that works. I bet it's not the first time he's done it. I bet it's not the first time it's been done. And it probably works quite often when there's a problem with guys thinking too much and whatnot. So it's funny, though, because even we get caught up in it. We get frustrated. Oh, yeah. And it's just Daryl continuously has to keep reminding us to just fucking trust in Daryl. Right? Because eventually he ends up being right. In Sutter we trust. It's it was a hashtag back in the day before hashtags were a thing, people, for a reason. Exactly. 
Do you think Sutter got outcoached in the in the Edmonton series? Because I know that you know we sit here and we say, well, right, we trust him until we can't. But can you ever not? Like I know, I know, I've seen this circulating around. It's cropping up right now. Well, it was because we were going through that losing streak, and everybody was starting to pin it on Sutter. Not everybody, but lots of people were. And this kept on cropping up, like, oh yeah, I got out coached by a fucking peanut up there in, in fucking Edmonton land, and right, yada yada yada. And it's just like wasn't doing the matchups. I don't know. Maybe he didn't feel like he could, or I don't know. Maybe he knows something we don't. Like, what were you, what was? Do you think he got out coached in that series? I don't know. When you get shit canned like that in five games against the best player in the world playing out of his freaking mind and Mark can't make your a save. Couldn't stop a beach ball and your best defenseman is fucking playing with a torn labia. <laughs> as long as you keep laughing, I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> and fucking Zadorov's got two broken ribs. Just make sure we know everyone knows it's a labrum. Yes. Um, but yeah, like, okay, like, could he have matched up Backlund against McDavid more? Sure. But I mean, I thought Daryl's matchup uh, statement in that series was on point. He's like, what matchup? They've been double shifting two players, like, the sure. whole game. Double and That's triple true. shifting. Well, and I guess if you're Daryl, if, like, if my top guys can't beat their top guys, what exactly. chance we, what's that? So, I don't know. Like, the top yeah. line was terrible. Like, tell me the adjustment Daryl makes in that series that has the Flames coming out on top. Okay, maybe a bit of line matching. Does that make Jacob Markstrom all of a sudden able to stop the puck? You know? Yeah, because how many goals did Kane and fucking... Like Hyman had like four, and three Hyman. or four goals, right? Yeah. So, I Everybody mean... Everybody was scoring, dude. I'm sure he made some mistakes, but I don't... There's no way freaking dork-ass McGee up in Edmonton outcoached Daryl. Like, the top guys weren't good enough. Chuck disappeared after game one. You're missing your best defenseman. Markstrom couldn't stop the puck. So, I don't know. There was a lot of factors in that series, and I think coaching probably wasn't one of them. Oh, by the way, you're playing the freaking freak of the century who, like, is just ordained by God to have the most talent on earth. And, like, if McDavid's on the Flames, do the Flames win that series, no matter who the coach is? Yeah. Yes. Did you see him the other night? Dude, it was... Dude. Oh, the biggest game. It's, like, it's not even fair. Like it's so ridiculous how like, good he is. Yeah, and it's so it pisses me off so much that like I can he be traded already so I can just enjoy watching him play. Like ninety percent of my like like do you it's know true. what it's good, you, great point? It's true. Like yeah, it's, it's right. terrifying and infuriating to watch him play. Like, do you know how terrifying it is to be? I guess most of you do because you're Flames fans. But like the most terrifying thing is when you're at. At a live game in the saddle, though, when McDavid's on the ice, it's just like mortifying to watch. Yeah, you're surrounded by all these idiots. But it's just like, holy gonna, shit. There's, there's a great opportunity. They're going to start cheering in a second. How did he do that? I don't like, he just gets on the ice and goes berserk and just scores. It's insane. That's a great point because it's the same thing with Oilers. How many years of the best players ever in hockey were marred because you're a Flames fan? You can't enjoy it. You, you can't, can't. You can't. Gretzky. You, you can't. You can respect the skill, but you can't enjoy it. Like that's how I feel. Like we can. I think Flyers. Every fans, time yeah. he scores, I fucking hate it. When he scores high, high real goals, Same. I sit there and I go, "Oh my god, I fucking hate that." 
I go, oh my god, because like that was unbelievable. I fucking hate that. Like those, it's pure rage. I don't want to watch it. I like will watch every. I'll watch Ovi and all these other guys score amazing goals and just McKinnon. That, that yeah, I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. You see that goal? McDavid does it. I'm like, I want to kill myself. It's so true. Like I'll send you highlights all the time of like like fucking Suzuki's goal the other night. Yeah, that's true. Just like wow, unreal. He scores. Fucking hate it. Hate that piece of shit. Flyers and Flames fans can like agree on this. Is like they had to go through Lemieux and Crosby, and now we have to sit through Gretzky and McDavid. Ours is worse, by the way. Yeah, it's the two best. Like the two best by a a, a margin of like ridiculous proportions. It's like not only the two best players in the sport, like the two best players by like a landslide. Hey, at least keep up with this. Well, at least there's only one game. Like, how bad is their goaltending, dude? <laughs> dude, okay, we just went on this rant, but yeah, like, see, this is what's great is that they this still is, suck. Yeah. Thank God, yeah, that this isn't like it was in the '80s, where they had fucking Messi and Curry and fucking Low and fucking this guy and that guy and fucking the fucking just the whole team was stacked. Then you have Gretzky. Then you're winning. Well, cup, you're winning the cup. Somehow, right somehow they do have the two best players in the world. The two top players in the league. I don't know. Is Drysdale the second? Like not not hands down. He's pretty close. Arguably, arguably he is. But you got the McKinnon's part of the conversation. But they got two of them. So, like, so what's the stat you said? They have how many? They have this. Holy shit! Like this is unbelievable. This has got to be the craziest stat right now. They have sixty six combined points. In 17 games. And the Oilers are one game over 500. Wow. I can, that is something I can bask in. I'm basking in it right now. Feels really good. Like McDavid's two points a game right now. One game above 500. Like you can't. How are they going to win? If their two best players are playing out of their mind. It's funny how I, I said this. To you. I don't know if I said it on here or not. But what was the over-under that how many games into the season is, is Campbell going to be replaced by a Skinner as the, as the top goalie? And here we are. 15 games in. The Oilers now have played... Skinner. Skinner is fucking up now. See that goal last night? Or was that tonight? That was That's tonight. tonight. He goes to play the puck, passes right to the fucking other player. They score. Yeah, Unbelievable. that's the only thing that makes me keeps me sane when I go, you know, is that they still they still suck. They've played one more game than us. They have one more win than us, but the same amount of points or our points percentage is better. And again, yeah. McDavid has 35 points in 19 games. I don't, we don't think, have we don't have anyone close to that. No, I don't think Oilers fans will ever truly understand what it's like. Because, yeah, they hate us. I see it all the time. They say the same things. We say, oh, Flames win, Oilers lose. The world's perfect. Or Flames lost. We lost, Oilers lose, but at least the Flames lost. I can handle it. They say the same shit. They feel the same way. But there's no way the intensity is the same. When you have fucking Connor McDavid, and we have to deal with this shit, and you have the two, and like we said, you had Gretzky, now you have him. It's, It's way more satisfying to see them lose than it is for them to see us lose. I guarantee it. 
I you tell me you tell me it's not like twice as intense. For it's us, not, it's it not even close. Like I my day will be turned around by an Oilers loss. Like the fact they lost tonight and Stuart when, Skinner made that when, play, I was just like, yeah, I'm glad the Flames won, but you know what? I'm really happy the Oilers lost. Whenever you see ever anytime in the media or if it's during the game after a goal or after a loss and they pan to the bench and it's like McDavid's stupid face looking down, dry side looking off pouty and frustrated. I think it's so satisfying to see see them losing. I do. I actually, I actually, we always say this and I know that you've admitted this, but I do also admit it. I get more satisfaction out of them losing than us winning. Me too. Would you trade? No, I wouldn't. I don't think I'll go to this extent. No, I couldn't. I was going to ask you, would you trade a Stanley Cup for an entire generation of McDavid failure as an other? Dude, I consider it. <laughs> it's not that preposterous. Dude, dude, the cup takes the cake. Would you, oh, how about this? Would you take a, a finals appearance over the Oilers never making it to the finals of McDavid? I'd rather have the Oilers never make it than us make it. Yeah, but I would take the cup, though. Cup for sure. But like, yeah, if if we have to win the cup first, is my thing. Like, this is what this is where the time clock is like. Because, like, again, like if you're wondering why we I me specifically anyway hate the Oilers so much. I live a little bit north and like there's it's everywhere. So I the time, like they have to if the Oilers win the cup, it will literally I'll have to kill myself. But even if we win the cup after they win the cup, it still won't be good enough because I'll still have to hear about it. So like we have to win the cup first. That's the timeline's important here. We need to have the cup win first so we can go, ha ha, fuck you. We brought the cup back to Canada. Stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah. If it was sure. like a trade a cup, it was like, okay, if the cup came after, sure, for the Oilers to fail. But, dude, I, I am just praying. Like, McDavid is still under contract for so long. Like, just leave. Connor, please leave. Do you see how happy Matthew Kachuk is? Not in Alberta. Go be like Matthew. Leave. Please. Okay, well, moving on. So that pretty much wraps up uh, everything on my list other than the are you done? You got more to go? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there's still rumors out there that the Flames, well, Bradley Living is looking for another top nine winger. I don't what know is if you're this, any... the year 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. <laughs> you know, they could just call Matt Phillips up, but whatever. Do you think that's going to happen? Mm, not for a bit. Who's out there? I don't know. I don't think you can afford Timo Meyer, but you got to look at these teams that are struggling that have fucking good players. Well, what about Logan Couture? You're not, they're not, not going to trade their... They might trade their centerman. Well, the thing is, the Flames are still up against the cap, too, so there'd have to be significant money going back. Couture probably makes a butt ton. Of, I guess I should look at these contracts before I start rattling names off, but like... Yeah, if, if you're on San Jose, you make a shit ton of money. What's the break it make? Think you get to break it? I Can you pry him out of there? Does Ottawa want to trade him? They just traded too, him, but they kind of sucked more than season. they did, maybe. Yeah, that might be kind of tough. I don't know. I think maybe, hey, maybe we can get Johnny Gaudreau back because Columbus sucks. 
Dude, good. I guarantee if I guarantee Johnny is dying to come back. Stupid idiot. He's such an What's idiot. his wife gonna do if they trade him? What does he have so no trade? No, he doesn't. Play? For the first few years, I don't think he does. He's probably begging. He's like, get me the fuck out of here. Like, what have I done? Get, get me out of here now. No, 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 yeah, no it's fine. Oh, uh, I did a lot okay. of research. Uh, yeah, I did. I actually did a lot of research. Meredith did all the research for me. Uh, but, uh, here. Um, oh, so Meredith? you must know somebody on the team. Uh, Gabranson. Uh, Frank. Yeah, I don't think Who's Johnny had yeah, any. Um, All right. Well, I guess we'll stay tuned for whoever. I don't know. Like, there's some like again, like Nashville. Timo Meyer would be amazing, but I Nashville. Nashville is gonna fall out of favor, aren't they? I don't know. Can we get Jano? Jano. Oh, there's a good name. Nice. That would be perfect. And that's a Daryl guy, dude. Daryl would love that guy. Dude, if we had Jano, we were in the right. That guy's a monster. Hits fight. He's he's too valuable though. No. I don't know. Anyways, maybe, maybe it's too early to him. start. Maybe it's too too early to start window shopping, but it's never too early. Never too early, never too late. All right, we got three games left on this roadie. Do you think Markstrom is going to start the the last three, or do you think you know what he? Might, I could see him doing a starting Markstrom again against Pittsburgh, and then doing the old back to back with Ladar. Yeah, he's done back to back with Ladar before. Um, I think that's probably what I would do. Um. I don't really have a preference. But here's the thing. As soon as you start predicting what Daryl's going to do. He does he, the opposite. Yeah. So the other thing is, too, the weekend games are at a weird time. So it's like not only is it a back-to-back, it's like freaking okay, you play at noon against Washington on Friday, and then you play at 2 on Saturday against Carolina. So the turnaround time is like really quick. So – Maybe that is a game he wouldn't want to play somebody back-to-back. We know Markstrom played really – I remember there's a game – I don't know the historical stats off the top of my head. I know that's how Daryl chooses his starters a lot. Um, Markstrom played really well against Pittsburgh last year. There was a game I think the Flames won 4 nothing early on in the season where he was he had a shutout. He was freaking awesome. Remember that game? It was a great game. Uh, so based on recent memory, maybe Markstrom gets the start tomorrow. I guess the next day. All right, well, we'll see what happens. Um, hopefully, uh, by the time we get on here again, we're we're still we're still feeling good, and we got a few more wins under our belt. Yeah, we'll be Chucky will be at the dome next week, so that's the next. I think we'll be on after that. Cushion, cushion is a pillow with feathers. Right? You know, for everyone that thought I was a liability in the playoffs, you can kiss my ass.